Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Dom. And for the first time today, I'm going to take off my mask in front of you two. Are you ready? Wait, no. I mean... Don't do that. There you no go. One, no one wants to see that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I never knew. Here's where you say... He's just a kid. <laughs> You're the oldest one here, Amato. <laughs> uh, I guess that's technically true. Yep. <laughs> He's just a 32-year-old adult male. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Toby Maguire. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that fits. <laughs> that does fit, Yeah. Huh? He's definitely not a kid, but he plays one in the movies. So bizarre, by the way, <laughs> how we have this like really awkward view of adolescence because we frequently have 30 year olds playing teenagers in movies i mean mid-20s is more common right i guess do you think they have 30 year olds playing teenagers because they're more reliable reliable actors or because nobody actually wants to talk to teenagers probably both but probably both (laughs) yeah yeah i know even things like freaks and geeks was like oh the casting's so good and james franco was still like 20 yeah or whatever (laughs) at least yeah um Buffy is interesting because the casting is like each actor is only like three or four years older than the characters they're playing. No, so only. that wasn't too bad. Not too yeah. bad, no. No. That's, that's pretty bad when you're talking about teenagers and like three or four years changes a lot in how <laughs> you look. a lot, sure. Once you get past season four, it's not so bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're college. Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't know. It's interesting. Um, which show, there's been some really good shows where they did cast teen actors like Skins. Um, there's been some newer shows nowadays on the um, Hulu's and the Netflix and stuff where they hire actual teenage actors for stuff. It is interesting though because like I remember when I was teaching eighth grade, like some of the kids were prepubescent and some of them were like six feet tall, like <laughs> and were like grown men. You know, like I was like, whoa, prepubescent or yeah, pubescent. I mean, that's just the thing is like kids kind of really look different depending on where they're at with puberty. And that happens. It's only a range of like, you know, four years, but it depending on when it happens, kids can look so grown up. Yeah. I mean, a college student could look like Tobey Maguire. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it could happen. <laughs> Why not? I was complaining about James Franco on Freaks and Geeks, but I know they did, especially for the younger kids, cast young kids. And the fact that like mm. if they'd done a season two, I forget one of those actors was gonna was like going through puberty, and they were gonna have to work it into the scripting. Had season two continued, which it didn't because it got canceled. <laughs> so crisis averted. Great. What's <laughs> uh, the uh, Stranger Things has a young cast? No, that's, but, true. that's become more. Oh common. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Forgot about them. Speaking of forgetting about things, <laughs> last week, Tori, you didn't seem to remember the existence of a movie called Spider-Man 2, or at least you were very unclear oh, on it. I, Has your memory not, been jogged? <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I said. I just couldn't, like, I figured there's been so many runs of Spider-Man movies, <laughs> none of which I've seen other than the Tobey Maguire ones, mm-hmm. and of course, Into the Spider-Verse. So I wasn't sure if there was like a new Spider-Man 2 that I was supposed to be aware of. I should have been aware of the fact this is retro fanfic retrospective. So yes, of indeed. course. And I do remember the second Spider-Man movie of that series. I guess we still call it Spider-Man 2. 
the, the movie's is title no... is Spider-Man 2, yeah, yes. Yeah, I know, but is there no other Spider-Man 2 at this point? That that was kind of my query. I think they've avoided it with either subtitles or additional gotcha. surtitles. <laughs> the Amazing. Yeah, yeah, The Amazing Spider-Man had a second movie. I don't think they called it Spider-Man they 2. They did not, no. Yeah. Well, and... I work with a lot of kids, and I just kind of wonder if he said Spider-Man 2, what the heck they would think. <laughs> and the second Spider-Man of the MCU universe is called um, Far From Home. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really fun. Go check it out. Gotcha. <laughs> I feel like that's what kids would think that Spider-Man 2 was, though. Anyway, point being, I totally remember the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 2 movie with Doc Ock. Um, I had forgotten it was directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, to me, was the a, one I liked the most. That was the thing, yeah. yeah. I, I think, of course, James Franco is in that movie. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Playing more than a teenager, so that's good. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think general consensus is that Spider-Man 2 is the best movie. That's what I remember. Mm-hmm. It's definitely better than 3, but I haven't watched the first one since watching Spider-Man 2, so it's hard for me to, like, judge properly. I actually rewatched Spider-Man 2 uh, earlier today mm-hmm. in prep, and I'm not sure. It might be academic which one's better than the others. <laughs> Between the first and second? Between those three. Yeah, we... They're all... Uh, I'm guessing of a similar Sam Raimi quality at, at its best, and I'm not sure it's really worth quantifying which one of those is better than the others. Mm. I guess this was a more interesting question back when we had like five superhero movies yeah. to discuss. Right? And two of them were Spider-Man. And this was amazing because it was a superhero movie that didn't suck. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, and I just want to like, like pause on that for a second because it's been really hard for me. Like I've recently watched like several series of superhero movies that have just come out on Netflix, like um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. There were, like, two movies that I could find online. You know, all these Avengers movies. Um, Ant-Man... What is it? There's Ant-Man, Ant-Man, and, and, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Wasp. Was the second one. There's all... There's so many. I've been watching <laughs> all of these movies, just trying to keep up with the superhero canon, mostly the Marvel canon. But anyway, I still have missed so many... And this does not used to be the case. Like, when did these movies start just flying out of the box offices like little evil monkeys? Phase two, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just insane. So I I just feel, like, very disappointed in myself that I can't keep up with them. But it's like you'd... A lot of them, you'd you'd have to buy tickets to go to the theater to see, like, every movie that came out. And there's so many. And movie theater tickets are so expensive. To date, there's um, 23 movies in what they're calling the... Uh, Infinity Saga. Yeah, yeah, and that's the one that hasn't even started yet, right? No, this that was no, the end of this current one. Okay, that's wow. the, so yeah. next one, is stage four. Okay, yeah, it goes everything from Iron Man to um, the newest Spider-Man: Far From Home. Wow, and the Iron Man movie came out over a decade ago. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot's happened, but before the new cycle of Marvel movies, we had Tobey Maguire. Yeah, I'm a casual Spider-Man fan, I guess. Like as a kid. I was all about the X-Men and Nightcrawler. But, like, I like Spider-Man, too. Mm-hmm. I got the two cross... Not crossover, you know, like, guest star team-ups is the word. <laughs> with Spider-Man and Nightcrawler. Definitely sought those out as a kid. Don't they have a lot of similar, I don't know, power overlap? They climb on walls. I They're mean, extremely dexterous. Yeah. Spider-Man could probably beat up Nightcrawler, and I say that as a Nightcrawler fan. <laughs> they both appear in the same poses, I think, a lot of the time, crawling on something. Yeah, this so is it's, true. Yeah. it's a logical team-up in some ways, except that you, you have the usual problems where it's just like, the X-Men work better as their own universe, really. Mm-hmm. It's because their concerns... I mean, there's the like random hating and fearing Spider-Man, but that's not the same as like the mutant thing. It's more of just like a... 
universe needing to keep Peter Parker down kind of thing, I feel like. Did you ever read um, House of M? I never did read House of M. I read through it at one point. Uh, basically, they get, was it Scarlet Witch? Yeah, no, no more... To change the world all of a right. sudden, somehow, mm-hmm. I don't know, comic mm-hmm. books. Yeah. But they changed it so the norm is mutants are the norm and non-mutants are looked down on. Oh, I remember and so that. Spider-Man, or Peter Parker in that universe is famous because he's a famous mutant, of course. Being a you know big mutant personality. like And the fact that he's not a mutant was very hush-hush cover-up and like ruined his career. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I vaguely remember that, hearing about that. Yeah, it sounded interesting. Anyway, Spider-Man good. Uh, but less than Nightcrawler, and <laughs> <laughs> I mean they're pretty similar characters if you look at it. So, in one sense, you could say Nightcrawler was based on Spider-Man. I, I'm not. I, I don't know. Certainly, you could say that. <laughs> but I forget the the details of you know how that character came about. Anyway, how Nightcrawler did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. someone drew a sketch, but it was supposed to be a Legion of Superheroes character, and it was supposed to be a really yeah. different personality. It was like, a mess, like like most comic book superhero creation stories back in the day. The point is, uh, Spider-Man movies. I remember those vaguely, and I've yeah. and this fanfic centers around the train scene in Spider-Man Two, mm-hmm. which is something that people remember apparently. Because well, the only oh. things I remembered from the movie before watching it again. Yeah. And it, it's the only thing I rewatched today. I just rewatched the train scene. <laughs> it certainly got the feeling that, like, this is not how it would have been done if this movie was made now, just with superhero movies being different. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing about superhero movies now is they've kind of evolved from <laughs> the superhero movies that existed, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, 15 years ago. Those were like the kind of, like, old-school Superman movies, but kind of given more of an edge. You know, because we had the Superman and Batman movies, and it was like, it's not Batman, because it's not going to be, like, Tim burton and it's not Superman. We want to make it, a like, sort of like Superman, but with a little bit of an edge. And so Spider-Man was this, like, let's talk about city life, let's talk about Spider-Man's personal life, let's talk about, like, his struggle. Superman movies don't involve a lot of Superman's struggle. They're just at least not on a very, like, emotional level, like Spider-Man being a, a young kid yeah. goes through. Superman barely struggles when he's turning the Earth backward to turn back time. <laughs> exactly, when he flies around <laughs> the world and spins it backwards on his axis, and that makes time go backwards anyway. But most of Spider-Man mm-hmm. 2 was about Peter Parker um, not getting what they what the audience would consider, like, their just desserts. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. still ha- living a hard life, not being able to pay rent, a mean landlord that ask him for rent. How, how rude. <laughs> right. It was about like his real life struggles. Yeah. yeah. And it was more like, um, it was weird watching it because it felt like at the time you were supposed to kind of identify it. But now looking at it, it's like Peter Parker's sort of like, I'm a superhero. Why don't I also get everything else I want? Hmm. He does kind <laughs> of have a weird attitude in that movie. And so it's hard to take him seriously. I do think they could have played that a little better, yeah. honestly, because the real world struggles of living under capitalism are a serious thing, like trying to survive in New York City. But he does get a little bit like very Ditko Spider-Man-y on it, <laughs> which is like something I wanted to bring up is that my early exposure to Spider-Man was old cartoons. But then I started reading the comics when I was like in college and studying cartooning and I read all the Ditko Spider-Man. And I realized like... The worst of Spider-Man is that he's, like, an individualistic, like, kind of 
Ayn Randy an asshole because that's who that's Steve who, Ditko was. Right. And like, that was like the whole thing that was coming through. Well, but that was kind of a uh, push and pull back and forth between him and Stan Lee because yeah. that, if he had been writing it, that's who Spider-Man would have been a lot more. But he was just drawing it. He was. And it was the Marvel it method. Through. It yeah. Like, it really. It's just fascinating, like, how Spider-Man's character in Spider-Man 2 is, like, an echo of that to me. Yeah, because it, it was like, um, the story arc goes where Peter Parker at one point stops being Spider-Man and his life gets better because then his life isn't ruined. He gets to um, work on his own merit and get, get rewards for that instead of doing, like, the, doing stuff for the greater good. And there's, there's this whole cheesy sequence about it. And, like it's a turn to try to turn away from any personal gain to try to go for the big responsibility that he learned from the first movie, which like, did you just have a, just forget about that in the second movie? It seems like it <laughs> because it is, you know, it is that funny thing where it's like, if they just made it so that the real world struggles were a thing, but instead he has to become kind of a dick. Well, the real world struggles were portrayed as completely unfair from anything Peter Parker was doing. And un- undeserved. <laughs> and, you know, to be fair, a lot of that <laughs> is unfair, but it's unfair to everyone, not just Peter Parker. Yeah. So that, that was the weird thing about that movie. And there's also huh? this whole weird, um, I don't want to go there, but like a male privilege, privilege sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Where, like he's supposed to get whatever he wants. He's supposed to, like all the girls are supposed to like him. They're, like mm-hmm. it's weird. Most of the bystanders in that movie either like are shocked angry or like aroused by peter parker and or spider-man's presence yeah well <laughs> speaking of that and speaking of peter parker getting his rewards our fanfic today is just a face on a train it's by Catherine with a k-a-t-h-e-r-y-n-e and it was published in october 2004 which is pretty soon after the movie came out i forget what month it came out in 2004 whatever but you know same year probably summer mm-hmm it is pretty well regarded. People, when they're talking about Spider-Man fanfics, point to this, even if they're not specifically talking about movie fanfics. They're like, hey, that one's good. Uh, and it's also fairly short, wow. because I was a merciful god this week. <laughs> it's about, like, 11, 12,000 words. It's, like, actually a short story instead of, you know, whatever I normally give you. Less than 40 pages, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. You can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfrtrain. <laughs> this is going to get... Uh you know, crossover from when we do our Thomas the Train Engine fan fiction. If Thomas we can find engine. a good Thomas the Tank Engine fanfic, <laughs> then I can finally have my son on as a guest. <laughs> Excellent. And people do write it. It's just a matter of finding something good and old. Mm-hmm. Question is, is it going to be Ringo Starr Thomas the Tank Engine <laughs> or George Carlin Thomas the Tank Engine? Which turns out wasn't something I dreamed up as a kid, but something that actually happened. It actually happened. Actually happened. Okay. Literally. Yes. <laughs> That's the essential question of Thomas the Tank Engine fans, I'm sure. I mean, I just, I, I honestly can't believe it. But the whole jukebox puppet sequence wasn't in the show, right? That was like a weird fever dream I had. As far as I remember, yeah. No, that was your fever dream. Okay. <laughs> that sounds right. It, it had an appropriate amount of puppets, so. <laughs> so, this story. It's pretty short. It's got five chapters. Uh, probably didn't even need to be divided into chapters, but I guess the author did publish it in parts because mm-hmm. it was, you know, updated after it was published. And it centers not on Peter Parker. We've got another main character. 
and their who, name's Maggie. Who focuses on Peter Parker. Well, yeah, I mean, the character <laughs> focuses on Peter Parker, but yeah. uh, Peter Parker's not the viewpoint character. Okay. Viewpoint character is Maggie O'Reilly. As soon as I saw the last name O'Reilly, I was like, is that a Spider-Man reference? But then I remembered that I was misremembering, and um, Ben Riley, it's not, it was not O'Reilly. Ben, wait, is that right? The clone, Scarlet Spider, Ben, Ben Riley. I think so. Yeah, no, was not O'Reilly, and I was just misremembering. I think you're right about that. So that was my pointless aside. (laughs) (laughs) Well. Someone tell us about Maggie O'Reilly. She's she's a waitress um, at a cafe. She's working on her nursing degree, we discover at some point. Um, She has a young daughter. Mm -hmm. And... I'm trying to decide how the information trickles in and what to <laughs> I mean, reveal at this point. Well, we, we can give it... Well, we can, I think, lay it out there. Yeah. She's probably about 30. She's like 10 years out of college. She's yes. back going back to night school for a nursing degree. You said she's married, right? Has a she kid. is married. I didn't say that yet. But yeah, okay. she has. I said she has a kid. She is married. Her husband... He's a construction worker. Yeah, he's a construction worker. He doesn't appear in this because he's been away on a business trip. And this takes place over the course of a few weeks, I think. Yeah. But Maggie O'Reilly did appear in the movie Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by certain definitions of that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And her young daughter. And her young daughter. In the train scene, there's a blonde person holding a blue blanket that's wrapped in something. I think it's supposed to be a prop baby. <laughs> yes, the baby's not crying. It's extremely unrealistic. Not moving. <laughs> Definitely just a piece of wood or something. <laughs> but So Maggie at least believes she has a baby. The character, the character has a baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She has sure. a young child. Yeah, it's about as realistic as anything gets in a Sam Raimi movie, I think. Uh, we were just watching an episode of Glow, and, you know, they've, uh, there's a baby that's heavily featured at this point in season three. Mm-hmm. And the baby just spent most of this one episode, like, wandering off and crying in, like, huge fits. <laughs> and we were very happy with that portrayal. <laughs> Do other episodes have the baby doing wrestling moves? Uh, well, we haven't finished the season, so we'll see. Uh, yeah. Keep me posted. That would be a good gimmick. I'm yeah. really looking for a... <laughs> realistic baby portrayal in my media honestly. i mean as a parent i am yeah. <laughs> fair enough that's me that's that's what i relate to <laughs> it's a me thing so right maggie was on the train she was one of those people in the front train car who was saved by peter parker by, saved by spider-man and who saw you know him multiple times and extensively with his mask off in the famous train scene where everyone's like don't worry we got your back we're not telling anybody he has his mask off so many times in that movie <laughs> too many times it's irresponsible it makes no sense mm. well this was the time when everybody <laughs> got a good look like literally could gather around yes. and look down and be like huh he's just yeah, a kid he's a, and there's no a few older other, than my own son a few other times in that movie where he just has his mask off random points and like he kicks a bad guys out of con- out of a con- convertible while wearing his red and blues. Takes off the mask, keeps driving. And why like, did he take off the mask? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, thank you. <laughs> he eventually pulls up to the movie to the uh, theater to watch uh, Mary Jane change into his suit. Okay, while still driving the same car. Okay, <laughs> so apparently he changed out of his spider suit into his going out suit. In the car. While uh, driving? Convertible with the top down. <laughs> okay. Very acrobatic. I'm sure only <laughs> Spider-Man could manage it. Um, so, right. So this character, Maggie, is extrapolated from one of the specific crowd members in that scene. It's very Star Wars Extended Universe. <laughs> like, 
They, they showed up in a scene. They have a backstory on their own planet and yeah, their own here's culture. Their, here's their whole life. <laughs> right. Their own language. Right. Here's this the is... book focusing on them. But there's a there's a really good point to this whole extrapolation that happens in this. Yeah. And um, that is that all of the people that, like, Spider-Man saved kind of have their own little stories. We don't get all of that. But it's this nice humanizing element of, like, hey, here are the people that Spider-Man has saved the lives of, especially, you know, this woman with a young child. So I understand why the author chose to focus on her and her baby. Mm-hmm. And we, the action of the fanfic is that Maggie's, like, on on job duty with her coworker Jackie. Jackie's pretty one-note. Basically, her thing is, like... Long Island accent? Uh, I was going to say chasing men. But her role yeah, is... both of those. <laughs> two things. That's like a fully rounded personality right there. Yeah. But really, the only point of Jackie is to have someone for Maggie to talk to. That's, that's it, her role in the story. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Maggie's trying to, like, write a, write a college essay in between, you know, needing to wait tables. But among the people who come and sit down at a table is a young college student with brown hair. And when she goes over to serve him, she realizes it's famous actor Tobey Maguire. I mean Spider-Man. See Biscuit themselves, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, did he play the horse? <laughs> you could tell me yes, I'd believe you. <laughs> That's a good role. <laughs> yeah, the kid's got range. Anyway, no, she recognizes him as being Spider-Man. And because everyone got a real good look at him. Um, and it is, and she kind of freaks out and backs up. And then she decides, like, looking him over, he's clearly a poor college student. Yes. Well, he also asked if there's any breakfast special for less than $3. Yeah, the answer is no. The answer is no, because they all turn out to be like $15. So I don't know where you're coming from, Peter. A piece of toast, maybe? (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, I know this was 15 years ago, but nonetheless, like, asking for something, like, like, he's just like a breakfast special for less than $3. Like, you could ask for, like, anything less than $3. You know, what can I get for $3, you know? I yeah, but, know. like, movie Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker is this pathetic and out of touch, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would definitely do this. Yeah, it's actually, so. throughout this, I feel like the portrayal of Peter is, like, dorky and clueless for the most part. Very much in line with the Tobey Maguire portrayal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of actually the Spider-Man I like, because I like that a lot better than asshole Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. The MCU Spider-Man's pretty good. They yeah. do a good version of young and dorky mm-hmm. and socially yeah. weird. I like him being socially awkward and, like, having his little quips when he's Spider-Man, but, like, not really knowing how to socialize. I don't like him when he's, like, I don't know how to socialize, therefore that gives me a license to be an asshole to everyone I know. Mm. Peter B. Parker? Yes. No, that, that, that is the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. <laughs> it is, true, though. Like, in yeah. Spider-Man 2, he's an ass. It just like, you know, because in the early, you know, the very first early Spider-Man, it's like when he realizes, who is he, Flash Thompson is the bully? Yep. Yeah. When he realizes, he like, he literally, when he realizes his powers, he's like, I'm going to go kill him now. <laughs> like, that's the first thing Spider-Man thinks. He goes and beats him up. Spider-Man yeah. origin. He goes and beats him up, but he's trying to kill him. I mean, with those anyway. kind of superhuman moves, yeah, against a civilian, that, that would kill somebody. If he literally thinks I'm <laughs> going to kill him. Like, that's in the comic. Anyway, point mm. being that Spider-Man has evolved into a much better person. <laughs> Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, is still better than Steve Ditko, Spider-Man. <laughs> now, so Maggie retreats. She kind of freaks out and catches her, her thoughts. And she you know goes through all kinds of thinking, including, like, should I, should I tell other people from the train? Which we'll come back to later. 
But she's like, no, that would, that would like crowd things around and make life difficult. And then what she does is she goes back and she's like, yes, in fact, there is a all-you-can-eat breakfast special for $1.50 all week. And, and Peter's just like, okay. Yeah, he's, he's like, really? Golly. And she's like, yes, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he does say something like, oh, gosh, I think. She's like, who says gosh? Yeah. But that sounds about... Toby McGuire Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, she gets to ply him with food and, you know, just tells her coworker like, yeah, he ordered the Supreme or whatever. Somebody oh. still has to pay for that, though. I, I, she does. Yeah, she pays. Yeah. And it's funny, too, though. I don't know if I mentioned this, but she says, it's a special just for college students who look especially hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of cute. But mm-hmm. she kind of feels this, like, cute relationship with him. Because mm-hmm. she keeps serving him these $1.50 breakfasts. And because she's so grateful for him saving her and her daughter's life. But... What I especially like about it is that her coworker Jackie, like, she's like, oh, you think he's cute? Or, like, at some point, I think Jackie starts to think he's cute, even yeah. though initially she thinks that she doesn't like nerdy boys. Point being is that it, it's all very innocent because Maggie is married and she's just very grateful for Spider-Man saving, you know, her family. Yeah, the, her, I was concerned it was going to take a turn at some point. <laughs> yeah. But I think, like, it's it's very... Dice that they kind of address that casually, like, yeah. oh, you've got a crush on it, which is like, nope, that's not what it is, and it, it, it isn't. And it was so. very very nice way to do it, and a nice little relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She just claims, oh, no, he's my nephew. He just doesn't remember me for some reasons. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> and so the tension for the next little while is her trying to help him as much as possible without revealing <laughs> that she knows that he's Spider-Man. So, like, obviously he comes back for the special because he's a poor college student, and of course you would. And she, like, manages to foist off a new coat on him because he's about her husband's size and yeah. had a spare coat and, like, tries to keep giving him food like that. And at one point, he's about to tell her his his name, and she's like, uh, no, I'm I'm just going to call you... Whatever. Sport. Sport. Because you look sporty. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, I don't get that very often. She's like, I'm like a runner. Like, you're lean. <laughs> yeah. And, pretty and, and he's, she's like, I bet you could run pretty fast. And, like... He has a little smile, like, oh, like, I'm being clever. And he's like, yeah, pretty fast. <laughs> but, like, it's not that clever because she knows no. that he's Spider-Man. Yeah. No, and it's <laughs> but, but also I, not that I like that, that he thinks that he's being clever. Mm. Anyway, yeah. it's well done. What I don't get is that a little shortly into the, the it's like chapter three. Like, you know, he's back in the diner and, like, there's a news thing about a disaster on the TV in the diner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's watching it intently. And she's just like... Uh, you look like you want to go check out what's well, happening. Ma- Maggie goes up, and the first thing they say is, I'll watch your stuff. I'll watch your stuff. He's like, what, what? Because like, Peter has all their stuff splayed on the table, college books, and they're doing homework and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just, uh, I'll watch your stuff. He's like, what? Um, in case you wanted to go look at this uh, thing that's happening on the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, for some reason, isn't much of a tip-off to him. I was going to say, like between that... She, she does that. And then she yeah. has a whole conversation with him once he gets back. Because he does the Spider-Man thing and tries to save, you know, everyone's life mm-hmm. from this disaster. And then he does the Spider-Man thing and feels very, very guilty about the one person you could not save in that one incident. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is, like, a really very, you know, on-point characterization, right? Mm-hmm. And so they have this whole conversation where she's like, did, was Spider-Man able to save everyone? It's like, <laughs> not everyone. And she's like, but Spider-Man did the best he could. And it's all, like, very... He's really clueless in this chapter in particular. It's also 
a lot like a mother talking to, to their kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. She she mentions that at one point. It's like, oh, it's my maternalness coming out, I guess, like how I'm trying to treat this guy. I think the term mom voice comes up. Yeah. Several times, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then to top it off at the end of that chapter, um, as he's leaving, she says, you may want to tuck in the lining of your jeans pocket before you go. It's sticking out a bit. He glanced down, saw the piece of red material, and quickly shoved it into his pocket. Without another word, he turned and left the diner. This also happened a couple times in the movie. So, <laughs> the but, but lining like, of your jeans pocket, what does that mean? It means there's uh, a bit of colorful fabric sticking out of your pocket. It's either a suit or it's a colorful lining of but your why, pocket. But why would it be sticking out of his pocket if it was a spider suit? I mean, it's obviously a spider suit because that's red, right. but... Uh, I don't know. It happens in the movie a couple times exactly uh, like I this. Don't I really don't get that. It's like, how is it sticking through his pocket? Did he cut holes in his pockets just no, so no, his spider he just suit could stick out? stuffed it in there. I know parts of it also, sticking out. by the way, his spider suit is skin tight, so hmm, how yeah. is it sticking? Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, uh, good took it, questions. Took it off and has it balled up someplace. Mm. I was, was just, balled up in his pocket. I think I think that's what they're going for. That's what I happened see. in the movie. I was just trying to say that like there's everything has plausible deniability, but everything put together in short order in this chapter, you would think he would be like, ah, I guess I think she figured out that I'm Spider Man. Yeah, this Spider Man is still like a physicist, right? Are yeah. you studying to be one? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that the thing about Peter is he's yeah he. He is, but he's also socially inept. And he's, I think a part of that has always been, like, his lack of ability or, like, lack of willingness even, whatever it is, to pay attention to social clues. Like, he obviously, he likes Maggie. She seems nice, but he is way more focused on everything else he's got mm, going on. That's true. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think, where they're go- the author's going with this is that he's just not paying attention. Mm-hmm. And probably doesn't, yeah, think about a whole lot about other people's, like, uh, what's the word, you know, like theory of self, like what is going on in other people's minds to a great extent, just because he's so busy and mentally harried, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, because he has kind of that person, like yeah. where he is very self-involved, I suppose. Yeah, the, the Toby Maguire Spider-Man is very much the center of their own world. Hmm. Yeah. So he only figures it out in chapter four, where he's around and someone's reading the Daily Bugle. Well, this is after... Um, Maggie had called everybody else on the train and prepared some sort of present that they're going to give. That's Peter the next chapter, I think. No, that was the, this chapter. Oh, that was this chapter, right. Because Maggie was going to explain everything on their own terms. Right, and after that conversation with Peter, where she realizes that like he, he feels super guilty about what he wasn't able to do and does not praise himself for what he is able to do, mm-hmm. then she gets in touch with you know other people on the train. And as Maggie's going over to talk to Peter... Uh, well, I, I guess just about the train thing. We get the whole story later, but... It, it comes out in the end that, like, they exchanged numbers after that incident. Which they have, like they a, have very, a phone tree. Yeah. Right. But, which seems like a kind of, like, nicely human thing to do. After you share a traumatic experience like that and share a secret, it's like, I could buy that people kind of shared some numbers. and If not everybody, at least a bunch of them stayed in yeah, touch. Yeah, this would be a Facebook group. It would be a Facebook group. <laughs> the technology wasn't there yet. No. Anyway, what are you going to say? Well, uh, I was saying that they prepared something. They, they don't tell us what. Then they're going to tell... Peter, that they know that they're Spider-Man, they're going to give a present. But before that happens... Someone's reading the Daily Bugle and being oh, like, oh, there's this arson, and the Daily Bugle says that Spider-Man was behind it with like some sort of mob connections. Because, of course, the Daily Bugle would. And Maggie gets upset with this you know, random patron and is like, put that you know, rag away. This regular. This regular. Yeah. Regular patron. Um, <laughs> shame on you believing this garbage. 
And that leads to a conversation between a couple of the regulars about, like, why well, is she so upset? Jackie says, like... Oh, Jackie yeah. is saying that? Yeah. Jackie says... Oh, yeah, you're right. Jackie's the one telling it. Yeah. And just explains um, that she was in that train that one time, and... You gotta do it in a Long Island accent. I Is that Janine <laughs> from Ghostbusters? I don't know. I think so, yeah. I've met several people <laughs> from Long Island, and I'm I'm not sure what the accent was. To be honest, I don't I don't even know. Uh, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I, I'm trying. It's fine. No, no, no. I don't I don't know what that accent is, and I definitely can't do it. <laughs> the point is, she tells the story. Um, Spidey saved our Maggie's life a few months ago. Jackie went on before Maggie could even begin to think of how to stop her. Right before you started coming in. Oh yeah, what happened? What happened? (laughs) (laughs) This is actually a good point, though, that, like, they say she has this accent, but they don't try to write in that accent. I don't know if that's a good or a bad point. Probably a good thing. I think it's a good thing. thing. They mention sometimes that she turns one-syllable words into three-syllable words at some point. Oh, yes, (laughs) yeah. Like, sure, with three syllables. (laughs) But, yeah, I wasn't sure how to read that in my mind, so it was maybe a little less clear, but I guess, yeah, the fact that we've had so many issues with authors attempting to parse dialect that way yeah mm-hmm. or you think this is the good way to do it just mention yeah. it in the text like, yeah, and in the flavor go on they keep the text readable <laughs> anyway jaggy jaggy jackie says you know the story kept her train from taking a five-story dive onto the manhattan streets after that cycle with the arms hijacked it is what and this is while both maggie and peter can hear her mm-hmm. so like they're staring at each other and you know <laughs> peter's like eyes wide and he's like i, I, I gotta go and she's like, no, wait. But he and then kind of Peter turns out. to look at Maggie and actually tries to consider where they've seen them seen them from before. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right, because the thing is that they've both seen each other. It's yeah, just, right. He's saved a lot of folks, but and she's just a face on a train. <laughs> just a face on a train. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he's so self-involved. Yeah. Anyway, and she has this moment of of horror, realizing that he's afraid when he realizes that she knows exactly who he is, mm-hmm. and he like kind of just freaks out and leaves. Which is actually fair, I think. I, it was. I really liked that. Sorry. That like he he has that reaction. He has you know he's freaking out, panicking. He has fight or flight. Uh, he's not fighting. He he flees. But then in chapter five, he comes back and like visits her at home. Mm. Chapter five is kind of long, kind of longer than I expected it to be. But yeah, he you know got her her address from Jackie, who had been told that he is her nephew, so felt fine about giving. A stranger. A stranger. Maggie's home address. Home address. And he goes and visits things like us. Yeah, sorry for, like, running away. I felt like things were kind of left unresolved. And I kind of want to talk to you again about it. And, th- and it's a whole big scene. Honestly, there was a few points in here where I thought they were going to end it, but they kept going a couple times. There was definitely one place like that that I specifically noticed. And I was like, and this is the end. And it's like, <laughs> no. It kept going. Because they kind of talk about everything. Yeah, Maggie explains that they... Uh contacted all the other survivors of the first train car mm-hmm. and they made um made spider-man a scrapbook each person got a page and did their own thank you thing and like this is what i'm doing with my life now that i'm not dead yeah <laughs> and well, that was at the very end there's still quite a bit of time in there where like um he runs away then he comes back to her and he invites you know he's invited in 
and then and since he's a vampire that means he can enter yes yeah. therefore <laughs> but <laughs> there's also a bunch of stuff going on where he kind of realizes her own situation like he realizes she has a daughter mm-hmm. he realizes who she is she talks about her husband all of this stuff he asks then, her why neither she nor anybody like took the story to the news and like was keeping a secret correct mm-hmm. yeah and she's like because we're not assholes <laughs> I and mean, actually we're grateful you know something i was gonna say about uh, a little bit earlier was his like his portrayal of this actually seems like kind of like very innocent kind of sweet boy and it's mostly from maggie's perspective she's like oh this boy i must feed him i must clothe him and so she can she gives him this pie she has in the fridge and they talk for a little bit and he's obviously so hungry he starts to devour the pie and he finally tells her his name mm-hmm. peter but when he first says it he's trying to eat the pie so rapidly that you know he, he can't even pronounce his name it's like at one point he has to cut um, off the conversation and leave rapidly for spider-man saving someone and that's one of the places where i thought and that's where they end up and then he just goes and never sees peter again right but no he comes back and And then he's injured and of course she is a nurse in training in training yes Uh, she says something this is actually a really funny part to me she's says something about putting on her nursing hat, like, mm-hmm. to make him feel better about her, like, taking care of him, because at first he refuses. And I, like, I thought that was very literal at first, and then I was like, that must be metaphorical, because don't, nurses don't wear hats. But it was actually really unclear. Like, it was almost like the author thought that nurses wore little hats. I think Hello Nurse <laughs> wears a hat. Yeah. So that's yeah. accurate, I'm sure. Um, I don't know. I'm sure it was supposed to be, like metaphorical but she has to tend to his wound and at first he refuses and finally lets her and so there's a lot of bonding and intimacy that's built and then the whole time this is happening maggie's thinking about her child like she's thinking about the baby monitor and her young child who would have died without spider-man and there's this nice thing where she eventually like offers up the scrapbook and then i guess suppose we continue continue from there and I think one of the things I like about this is that it's not all one-sided, just like, thank you so much for saving me. I can I can never repay you, but here's a pie. In the scrapbook in the back is a list of phone numbers for these people and what they do. And it's like anyone who thought they could in any way help Spider-Man in any niche circumstance, like kind of gave their contact information in case he needs a guy, yeah, in case he like needs a someone. Taylor, there's a lawyer, there's an ER doctor. Right. Yeah. And like all of those sound situationally extremely useful. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, you know, his first reaction is like, no, I can't get anyone involved because like people close to me have been hurt and, you know, it's too dangerous. And she has to have a, this big conversation with him being like, you're not the only person who chooses to do things that are, that have some element of danger. That's like life my husband's a construction worker. There's yeah. an element of danger there. You know, element of danger in just living. And, like, this is something we're choosing to put forth. Just there's like a, you're choosing to put forth your super heroic efforts. There's a nice little story that Maggie says after that, talking about that they were on the train because they were in a car crash, like, a week earlier. And they mm-hmm. thought the train would be safer. So just being in the world itself is dangerous enough. Yeah. You never yeah. know. And, like, this is something that's just as important for them to be able to help as it is for him to be able to help. And so I thought that was really good. It's like... These people are not below Spider-Man. These people are trying to kind of do everything they can just like he is. I actually thought, you know, this was like the most powerful part of the fanfic. And, you know, it was a little... There are points leading up where I was just like, okay, yeah, this is kind of sweet and this is kind of nice. But there's a lot of power here at the end because she has to do a lot of convincing Mm -hmm. to convince him. Like when he says... when I'm sorry, when Maggie says... 
um, oh, well, I'm going to be a nurse. Like, people are going to come into the ER and things can be really dangerous to me and there's gang violence and, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And my husband works construction. He walks in these steel girders and he could fall and he could hurt himself. Peter's still like, well, that's not the same as being held at gunpoint, you know? Like, the danger I could put you in is so much more significant. But eventually, you know, with the argument going back and forth, she does convince him that it's like, it is the same level of danger. And part of that is her argument around the car crash. But I feel like it it was, I don't know, it was almost like a very logical sort of argument. Like... I could see both sides. Like Spider-Man's life is very dangerous. Like being associated with Spider-Man does put you at risk in a significant way. Mm-hmm. And her argument is like living is dangerous and she has to work very hard to convince him of that. And I feel like she sort of convinced me too with the process. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This is a common um, moral quandary that come up, comes up in superhero media. And uh, every time they... It's a fit, it's a coin toss which way it, it'll end up because either it ends up on this side where it's like it's dangerous but life is dangerous and we want to help or it comes up on the other side it's like oh no this isn't uh, life is dangerous this is a super super villain targeting you and slowly peeling your skin off dangerous right right and so it which side it ends up on completely depends on the media and the message they're trying to portray at the moment right and I think even the Spider-Man movies, these ones flip-flop back and forth. Because hmm. like at the end of the uh, the second Spider-Man movie, uh, Mary Jane and Tobey Maguire get together. <laughs> well, not that, that they're characters. <laughs> <laughs> with the explanation that life is dangerous, I want to be with you anyways. And in the next movie, it's like Mary Jane's a big liability. Hmm. It immediately goes back and forth. Yeah. They didn't have a thesis statement there in the movies. No. But we've got a thesis statement here in the fanfic. Or more, they're they're, um, independent to each individual uh, movie or story. Fair enough. Well, all I know is that Edogawa Conan definitely should tell Ron because she's like a kick-ass martial artist and can totally take care of herself and is in constant danger anyway. And basically everybody on that show already because like... The fact that they don't know makes it unwatchable. It makes me want to tear my skin off. <laughs> I know. Well, I was able to watch about 10 episodes. And, I think I, think you know, I went like 30 or 40. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I went up to that part in like the first season where like she almost, she figures it out. She's like, you're, you're Shuichi or whatever his name is, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no. And he has like the doctor lie over the phone. Uh, calls him with a voice changer. Yeah. And which... that's like pretty early on. And I was like, oh, God damn it. Like just... And that's the only time Ron actually gets suspicious and guesses. Well, if they can't keep going back to that, I understand. Just, like, that would be even dumber than what they do, which is dumb enough. But it's like, there's no reason. But for hundreds of chapters. There's no reason to do this. Hundreds. Of, I think it's still going. <laughs> what, what, do you think she's going to, like, tell everybody? You think she's in any more danger? Whatever. Detective Conan opinions here. That's all. They should, they should have done something. They should have like, they should have had a Detective Conan Shippuden or something where they had changed something. Yeah. <laughs> in a span of time or something or anything that's different. Isn't it still going, though? I think it's still going, though. So they still... <laughs> they can still do it. There's still hope. Because that's what shonen manga are, are, are known to do. Once they have a successful formula that they, they can continue in perpetuity, they'll drastically change it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's really the fanfic. Thanks for uh, getting me upset about Conan. <laughs> Doesn't take yeah. much to get us upset about Detective Conan. No. There's one other good point that I'd like to mention is that at this very end, Peter's arguments actually do a little bit to convince Maggie 
that her daughter might be in danger and she does hesitate for a second and like almost like just you know he's asking are you sure you want to help or he doesn't say it that way he's almost like you shouldn't help because your daughter will be in danger etc and she hesitates and then she feels really bad for hesitating and like fully restores her her faith in the idea that she would help and she wants to help but I thought that was like a really nice and real character beat yeah that of course the sense of her daughter being put in danger would put her in doubt. And in the next volume, it'd be um, validated when uh, the Kingpin's goons kicked down their door and held them hostage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as soon as the author uh, writing the series changes. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and right. it's like, oh, there's too many supporting characters in Spider-Man. Let's murder some of them. That'd be dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's fridge some women. Those, those babies <laughs> and those mothers. We got lots of fridges. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, the point is... Uh, it's a, I, I know what you mean, Tori. It seems like a fine fanfic for most of it, but by the end I was feeling moved. Like I thought yeah. it, I thought it oh, came no. to a really good conclusion. I was like kind of in tears when Maggie was talking like so earnestly to him. And it's strange because like he seems like stupid, uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man up until now, like, or maybe even just less than that, just like a kid. But Maggie's character is, she's so strong and she's so moving because she's willing to sacrifice so much to help him because she believes he's helping other people. To even her dip a speech, toe in the superhero world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but, like, her speech is amazing. Like, she's like, I'll do anything to help you. All these other people will. And then giving him the scrapbook of all the people he's saved. Mm-hmm. That was, like, what pushed me over the edge. Yeah, and that was also... see all the people he's helped. That was also for him emotionally, because she said, yeah. clearly, like, you're obsessing over the people who you don't save. And, like, you should right, remember yes, that you save yes. a lot of people and you do lots and lots of good. That and you, even if you just save one person, that might be enough. And that's this, definitely something Peter Parker needs to be reminded of on the regular. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> what the scrapbook had in it, was drawings from like the young children, like grandchildren and children of those, those two child those actors, yeah, <laughs> who had been saved. Yeah, it was like mostly from what they specified was like the drawings from the grandchildren and stuff. Like it was like one drawing that was like this was the one that put me over the edge. It was like thank you for saving Grandpa Spider Man. We love him. <laughs> you know, it was like a drawing of him saving him. Sorry, so yeah, of grandpa. course, very sweet. But it was all from the family members of the people that he had saved. And I can imagine that being super powerful for Spider Man. So I I thought that description of that scrapbook was actually the most powerful part of the fanfic. I think it's interesting, especially if you consider that from the viewpoint that the characters going to become a nurse this sort of burnout and um this sort of message is important to those people that work in those kind of industries where they see a lot of loss and sadness and and, there's a lot of emotional labor yeah and they tend to forget that the good they end up doing and live all the bad things that happen on day-to-day basis i hadn't made that connection but you're right that's really perfect yeah that's a perfect choice of future occupation for her yeah. Well, and that's a big thing with the characters that, like, uh, Spider-Man has saved from the train. Oh, because I don't know if we mentioned this, but Maggie's connected with all the other people who are on the train with her. And that, they they have have a Facebook Facebook a couple times. They have okay. a Facebook group, yeah. <laughs> yes, they have a Facebook group. Okay, anyway, point being all, that all their professions seem to be so much, like, helper, caregiver positions, but, like ones, you know, those that sort of work where you help other humans. Yeah, but there's also the lawyer. <laughs> yeah, and then there's also lawyer. Whatever. Ah, it's all lawyer <laughs> jokes here from now on. Demons need help too, huh? <laughs> yeah. Ever since, ever since Tar and Sunny become a lawyer, I'm gonna do, you know, one thousand percent more lawyer jokes. 
<laughs> I'll be waiting for your next set. Yeah. I mean, Tarn should expect it. Tarn, Tarn watches much Angel as, as the rest of us, so. Yeah. But Tarn's going to law school not to become a lawyer, but to, like, provide legal aid to people who don't understand the law. So I feel like that's a little different. Oh, that's just a lawer. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> did either of you read the extra link that I sent along earlier today? I did, yes. It is a second fanfic that I turned up, I think also recommended somewhere, but it's hecka short. Hecka short. It's also, <laughs> that's the official designation, <laughs> like 3,000 words. 10 pages. And it is also centered around the train scene from Spider-Man 2, which I think is, on average, the moviegoer's favorite scene in the movie. Maybe. Let's see. What, what other scenes in the movie? Uh, Doc Ock chews the scenery a few times, and it's good. Yeah. Oh, there's the uh, operation scene where they try to, like, remove Doc Ock's things and it turns into a, well, Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> it turns into a horror movie thing where the things come alive and take apart the doctors. Not quite take apart the doctors, but that's the idea. <laughs> that is good, but probably harder to write a fanfic about. I mean, it still needs a moose head that bites, but, you know, it's still mm. pretty good. Uh, anyway, this fanfic, <laughs> Identity Crisis by J. Jonah Jameson, which is an interesting handle for someone writing about spider-man <laughs> give me more fan fiction of spider-man <laughs> on my desk right now never mind i'll write it myself <laughs> this fanfic is like taking place just after the train scene in spider-man 2 yeah and it's really just kind of addressing the problem of keeping everybody quiet about you know spider-man's identity and it's told entirely from the uh, conductor's point of view the conductor Donald O'Shea, who is, whose name is out of the novelization. <laughs> I don't feel it's like it's as strong a piece as the first one. Um, it doesn't really have the same emotional core, and it kind of goes over the train scene a little bit more instead of just assuming that you're familiar with it. It adds a bit of a um, flavor, just coming from directly from one to the other, I think. Yeah, it does. It, it's interesting to see different things people did with this scene. Yeah. Um, in short, they're kind of, you know... Uh, being given coffee and like uh, the police, you know, have roped off the area after the whole accident. And they're debriefing with the police. Yeah, and they bring in everybody debrief at the same time. And this conductor, O'Shea, is concerned about like keeping everybody quiet about who Spider-Man is. Like he figures a couple people are going to slip through the cracks. Yeah. And there's like immediately a designated Judas Mm -hmm. who's like this guy wearing some sports cap, Yankees cap. Mm -hmm. Uh, who, like, seems to be talking to somebody on the phone about how, like, oh, yeah, there's so many reporters here and stuff. And O'Shea, with his psychic powers, like, that guy is the guy who's going to spill the beans. (laughs) You can't talk about that in a Marvel thing. (laughs) (laughs) He does not actually have psychic powers. He just has an uncanny sense for identifying the person who will be the problem. But it's fine, because it's a really short fanfic. It's really get in, get out with the concept. And basically they Spartacus the the thing. They basically Spartacus, but instead of being like, I'm Spider-Man, they... O'Shea starts off by giving a totally erroneous description of what he looks like. Then everybody else piles yeah. on with their own description of poor, uh, a poor description of who Spider-Man looks yeah, like. Yeah, actually, right. the first thing that happens is the uh, the Judas character gives the real description, but then there is a the lawyer. No, actually, that, 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 he's the second one. O- O'Shea gets to jump in first. O'Shea and say, jumps in first. He's, yeah. a, he's a black man, maybe 30, 35, with his hair in dreads, 
And then baseball cap Johnson guy's like, you got to be kidding me. He's a white kid, college age maybe, brown hair. <laughs> and then, but then O'Shea's like giving his silent psychic prayer out to the universe. Right. He looks at the lawyer type. He's like, please, please, please. And lawyer type's like, no, he's like a dark-skinned young guy. He's got a tattoo on his eye. I could draw the tattoo for you. Yeah, yeah see, the lawyer's obviously done improv before. Yeah. <laughs> you yes and. Yes and. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so, yeah, then there's chiming in. Oh, and one person's like, you guys don't want to admit it. Spider-Man's a woman because you're misogynist. Right. <laughs> then there's, um, like, an East Asian person who's like, you don't want to admit that a, they use inappropriate language. But anyway, point being that, like, an East Asian person could be Spider-Man. And, and the two kids are like, he's an alien or a yes. robot. And um, one of the kids says he has a green skin, and the other says, oh, no, the big eye holes in his uniform hide that he has eight eyes. <laughs> Which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. And so, you know, it's fun. Johnson was the only one still repeating the correct details, says the story. Although mm-hmm. she had to admit that an ordinary-looking college kid didn't sound all that believable either. If he had to pick, he'd have gone for the eight eyes version. Yeah. So it's cute. And so the idea is at the end, he's like, well... The newspapers are probably going to pick up some of these descriptions, but as long as there's, like, no good information out there, yeah. that's... instead of trying to make it so no information gets out, they make sure too much information gets out. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is clever. Yeah. And that's really the fanfic. Yeah, and the ending line is, Days like this, thought O'Shea, I'm proud to be a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess there's some... I'm proud to be in. a New Yorker, too, O'Shea. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. My grandmother grew up in the Bronx, so it goes down that far naturally nearly, you right? Mm. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're in New York. Whatever. Uh, right. I, I th- I'm sure they can get you a grant or something to relocate or something. Yeah. <laughs> I can just take New York citizenship at any time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to serve a year in their army or something. Sounds correct. <laughs> so that is just a face on a train and also identity crisis as a point of comparison. Uh I just thought it was interesting to point out that other people were addressing, like, riffing off of the same scene, that it seemed to be kind of a fanfic-inspiring scene. The idea is a heartwarming uh, New York moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Heartwarming New York moments all around. Yeah. Yeah, like, people in the city supporting each other. And I think this is, like, especially a tone for the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, is, like, people end up supporting him. Yeah, that's what the train scene's about in the first place. Yeah, Yeah. Spider-Man's, like, a figure who represents... Yeah, you're right. Like, it's all about the train scene. People... But people resonated with that. Mm -hmm. They liked this idea that people in the city could support each other. Yeah. So, is there anything we want to complain about in Just a Face on a Train? Mm, the only thing I'd complain about is just kind of how schmaltzy it is, but I'm the kind of person where I, I love it. <laughs> I think a lot of people would try to use that as a negative descriptor, but I think it's just a, a descriptor because it's just a type of media, and there can be good stuff and bad stuff of that, and I, I personally enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my criticism is I don't have a criticism. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw one person on one thread talking about this fanfic use the term WAF, which I hadn't seen in a while. WAF. W-A-F-F, all capitals. Right. And it Never could be, it could be WAFI as an adjective. It stands for warm and fuzzy feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's and so, negative? No, it's not negative. It's, oh, just, it's descriptive. It's, it's okay. like that's the kind of story it is. It's a WAFI fanfic. That. Thank oh. you for the uh, new verbiage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. New adjectiveive. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it gives you warm and fuzzy feelings by the end. I, I think I am genuinely going to complain that I think the pacing on Chapter 5 is a little bit off. And even so, Chapter 5 is the most powerful, and, like, it's a really effective ending. 
I just feel like it could have had a little bit more of an arc. The ending could have felt more natural. It could have felt more natural, a little yeah. bit less. It kind of goes back and forth a little bit. and It really didn't need to. But probably it didn't have like an editing pass or anything. It's pretty, you know, effective writing for what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty well written. I mean, and the only, yeah, the only complaint I would give is that um, Jackie, her Maggie's friend, mm-hmm. is pretty one-dimensional. She is. And I felt like Maggie could have had more connections in her life. Like her husband, she speaks of often, but never appears. She speaks of her daughter often, who's admittedly, you know, maybe what she's supposed to be one at this point. I think it was smart to keep them off stage just because you do, in a short story like this, you do not want it to bloat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this but, was just about Maggie and Peter. But the I get fact, that, but... but the fact that it's just about Maggie and Peter, I think Tori emphasizes that Jackie is really one dimensional because, like, there's three characters it's Maggie, Peter, yes. and Jackie, and two of them are well fleshed out, and one of them is Jackie. And so it's like, she does. You read through and noticeably she is just not the same level of person. I would like some sort of as Maggie. heart from Jackie. Or yeah. Something. Yes. something. Yeah. Yeah, that that's my main point, is that if you're going to identify these third characters, you're either going to make them a presence or like, yeah, it's fine that her husband doesn't show up and that that's okay. But yeah, when you get this also one dimensional friend, that person could have provided a lot of dimension for the fanfic had they been given a personality. I like how the and husband. I guess that's my only criticism. I like how the husband was handled in that she thinks about him as a specific person, mm-hmm. but she doesn't think about him unduly. And so it's like when she's convincing Peter to take the coat, and she says like, ah, "Don't worry about it." Like, it, oh no! When she tells him later, mm-hmm. originally she tells him the coat was left in the diner. Right. But like later on, when she's telling him about, like, no, it's fine to keep the coat. She's like, it's fine. It's not. My husband's not going to wear anything that doesn't have a. <laughs> whatever yankees logo on it or whatever yeah i, I bought him that coat he's, but... he's not going to use it ever so just take it right <laughs> but yeah she gives him a little bit of character and oh, yeah. then that's not his sports team right giants, giants his team, right yeah. <laughs> anyway so. uh yeah so no major complaints i think and in terms of praise i think it's very it's a little refreshing in the things that we read to read a story that's so focused and effectively focused yeah the author mm-hmm. had a purpose and did the development they needed for that purpose. But yeah. they really didn't do anything else. Just enough, really. Just enough. Yeah. And so that's really praiseworthy because when you do not have an editor and you do not have to publish it on paper and there's no costs associated with it being longer, it's easy to write longer. Yeah. And in like as far as going into Spider-Man 2 and like... I feel like this author... I'm not sure if this is praise or criticism. I feel like I liked... Um, Peter's character a lot in this story actually Uh, partially because all he's given is kind of like an insecure kid who really needs help like that's his character definition I feel like that helps my understanding of the character in the Spider-Man Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies because especially in Spider-Man 2 like we mentioned he seems like kind of an asshole (laughs) and in this he's not he's He's not even being possessed by a like weird black costume (laughs) Yeah. To do weird dances and be an extra asshole. Have weird emo <laughs> hair. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, in this, he is likable. And, and Maggie is a super likable character. So there's two 
likable characters written, making a connection, and the author avoids having that be sexual or romantic in any way. Not even in the slightest. Not even in the slightest. In fact, there's an element of, like, maternal things coming from Maggie, which I feel like could be really awful, you know, considering that she's a woman in this situation, and, like, you just want them to be friends, but she's also a woman with a young daughter who sees him as a kid, and so it ends up being very real and very sweet, and you really relate to Maggie. Like, I do. I, I, I really relate to her. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's how I would treat Spider-Man, too. Like, <laughs> as a sweet kid, I'd want to help, you yeah, know? this, like, random it's... person saved your life, you just, like, just try yeah. to shove them full of food. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not, right? It just, it seemed very sweet. And then the scrapbook moment was tear-worthy, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I felt warm and fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Inside. Mostly. <laughs> Our warm and fuzzy feelings might continue next week with because I think we're gonna have some like saving kids from bad situations in the fanfic Stealing Harry, which is a relatively well known, um, you know, popular Harry Potter fanfic from two thousand and four. This is one that's uh, new to you. I've never read it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. uh, and we have reason to believe this is good. I have reason to believe it is good. It is a suggestion, in fact, by one of our fans, Deirdre, who actually suggested it in an email. But it's also apparently, like, it's well-known enough. It has a pod fic. You know, the author has clearly got some attention. I think they've got a fan lore article. You know, there's a whole genre of fanfics, apparently, that this kind of spearheaded in terms of getting Harry out of that bad living situation that he is in as a little kid. Somebody should. Yes. Yes. I looked at, I mean, I started reading the fanfic, and it was part of, like, a thing called the Save Harry-verse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a whole backstory, I think. The, the Saving Harry-verse is just, after the author wrote this story, they wrote more stories in the same universe. It wasn't a shared universe I, thing. I also I like the idea of, like, there's a fan fiction based around one specific concept from a show, like the uh, Bring Back Frodo movement. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I think it might be kind of like that. We'll find out more. Um... It also is probably going to have some Sirius and Remus getting it on, because that's what the tags say on uh, Archive of Our Own. They say that, but anyway. <laughs> we'll get I've, there. I've, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> that's next week. You can find a link to the Archive of Our Own copy of the story at bit.ly slash rfrharry. If you do a little digging from there, you can find the podfic, which is also on Archive of Our Own. If rather than reading an extremely long story, you'd like to listen to an extremely long story for nine hours. From a natural voice, too. I mean, natu- yeah, yeah. not have your phone read it like some members of this podcast. <laughs> I don't trust those robots to read properly. <laughs> I, I don't. I literally don't. The robot does just fine by my accounts, y'all. <laughs> Oddly, I remember the most complaints about the robot reading back with our Transformers fanfic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, <laughs> some robots are better than others. Yeah, that's what the Decepticons say. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> As for this, this was episode 53 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Just a Face on a Train, a Spider-Man 2 fanfic by Catherine with an E-R-Y-N-E. You can find a link to the fanfiction.net posting, which is the older posting of it, on bit.ly slash rfrtrain. Uh, You can also find it on Archive of Our Own and maybe elsewhere on the web. If you're looking for that other story we mentioned, that was the story... Identity Crisis by J. Jonah Jameson on fanfiction.net, and I'll put a link there at bit.ly slash rfrcrisis if you're looking for that. 
think I forgot to mention that this fanfic was a recommendation as well. I'm doing a series of recommendations to kick off our new year of, um, you know, podcasting and reading fanfiction. Season two. Yep. <laughs> this one in particular was uh, a recommendation from, I have no idea how to say their name, A-C-K-S-E-D, Axed. A-C-K-S-E-D. Uh, thank you, listener. <laughs> <laughs> listener on the RPG.net forums. The intro song for the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, contact us on Twitter at RetroFanfic, Facebook at RetroFanfic, Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective, send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com, and if you leave reviews on Apple Podcasts in particular or your other podcast services, that is apparently an influential measure of how worthy we are to exist as human podcasting beings in the world. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We're just three New Yorkers trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm walking here. <laughs> How about a slice of pizza pie? Uh, you may be confusing New Yorkers and Mario. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> it's a me, a New Yorker. <laughs> I'm going to mean. Yeah, I'm going to cut that. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs>